you are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. At what point are we allowed to maybe start questioning just a little bit of Roquan Smith's development? Welcome into the Locked On Bears podcast, brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I'm your host, Lauren Cox, and I'm here to bring you your Chicago Bears news and analysis. Today, we're looking back over Roquan Smith's career so far and what he still has to prove in 2020, especially compared to some of the other linebackers in his own draft class. We'll also look at the injury recovery of Mitch Trubisky and some of the progress he's making on that left shoulder, as well as look at the potentially large impact of reduced rosters heading into training camp and the preseason, with the Bears unlucky to take a full 90-man group back to Hallis Hall. It feels a little unfair at first to start looking at Roquan Smith's young Bears career through much of a critical lens, just given that his first season, he was obviously a rookie transitioning to the NFL from Georgia and did a lot of things that were encouraging and a lot of the same athletic tools and an understandable learning curve in terms of getting more comfortable in the NFL. He was never going to be perfect as a rookie, and I think he did at least meet expectations, if not exceed them, for an eighth overall pick coming in and starting basically from week two. He was part of the rotation in week one before they really handed the keys over to him. And then in 2019, there was the personal reasons sort of mysterious absence from the team that still has not been fully explained to us. And it's private business of Roquan Smith's, I'm sure, but that sort of lingers over the rest of his 2019 season, even after he came back and still played a 12-game season. It was not like he was gone for the entire time, and injury was mixed in there, too. It was not just purely the personal reasons. He was also ended the season on IR down the stretch. So there's some there's some reason why week year two maybe wasn't as good as it should have been, and some reason why year one had some excuse with him still being a rookie. And so it makes sense to want to be patient with Roquan Smith now going into year three. But at the same time, it doesn't feel like we've quite seen enough of the Georgia Roquan Smith, the you know the elite freak playmaker on the defense that truly was a top 10 player and a reason why the Bears took him eighth overall. I mean, when you take an off-ball linebacker that early in the draft, you need them to be an elite player at the position. He doesn't need to be Brian Urlacher by year two, no, but he does need to be a difference maker. And I don't know that we've seen a lot of difference making. We've seen some fairly consistent linebacking. You know, he'll step up and make the tackle, and he's pretty good in coverage, but we're not seeing the big plays. We're not seeing the explosive plays, the game-changing moments. Maybe every once in a while, you know, he's on a couple of interceptions, a couple of pass breakups through his career, but for the most part, it hasn't quite been that big impact that you might expect from a top 10 pick, 
And what makes it a little bit more difficult to swallow is just comparing him to some of the other linebackers from his own draft class. Because already, Roquan Smith has not been the best linebacker from his draft class, despite being the first linebacker taken in 2018. We could tell pretty early on during the rookie season that Darius Leonard from the Indianapolis Colts was the best linebacker in that draft class, and he lasted till the 36th overall pick. Every team passed on him, and that's not... And that's one of the, the funky things in the draft where there's always good players that slip through the cracks and some teams will see something that the rest of the teams don't. So it wasn't like Darius Leonard was in that conversation at any point for the Bears pick. But even guys like Tremaine Edmonds and Leighton Vander Esch that went to the Bills and Cowboys respectively, they both had some pretty solid first couple of seasons. Vander Esch ran into the injuries that cut his season in half last year, but had picked up right where he left off. Both of them have been pro bowlers thus far through their career. Both Vander Esch and Edmonds haven't seemed to have quite the learning curve slash run-up slash excuses or maybe valid reasons, but still reasons nonetheless why their production hasn't been where it needs to be like it is with Roquan Smith. We haven't seen that affect Edmonds and Vander Esch in the same way. So that's where it's like, well, it, maybe it is time now that wrote 2020, Roquan Smith, time to step up, time to be that top 10 overall pick linebacker. Because if we don't start to see that, again, dynamic, elite, game-changing, big-time impact linebacker, then all of a sudden we start to question for, for sure, is this a player that was worth the eighth overall pick? Did the Bears miss on that draft pick? I think he could still be a solid linebacker one way or another, but will he pan out like a true top 10 player? Or will it turn out that Tremaine Edmonds or Vander Esch may have been the better call early in that first round? We're not there yet the way we are with Mitch Trubisky now entering year four. And we got a little bit of an update on how his shoulder injury is recovering. And maybe, just maybe, it was affecting him more last season than the Bears were letting on. Keep it locked right here on Locked on Bears. Mitch Trubisky is getting all fixed up this offseason. And the best place for you to get parts to fix up your vehicle this summer is with our friends at rockauto.com. They've been a great partner here with the Lockdown Podcast Network because actually Ross Jackson from Lockdown Saints had his tailgate stolen from his truck. It was one of those trucks where you can actually like pop it off if you want to be able to lay something flat in the bed. Someone straight up took Ross Jackson's, but he was able to put his truck into rockauto.com and order the perfect replacement part at a great price for him and reliable, exactly the right fit and everything you need to replace what was wrongfully taken from him. Hopefully the same thing doesn't happen to you, but if you need any parts for your vehicle, rockauto.com is the place to go with the same prices for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So don't spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Go to rockauto.com right now, and when you're there, write the words locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com From the moment Trubisky suffered the left shoulder injury last season against the Minnesota Vikings, it kind of felt like the Bears were doing everything they could to more or less downplay the significance of the injury, that 
Yes, there was, what, a partial tear in the labrum and some damage there in that non-throwing arm, but it was something that they felt like he could play through and they just needed the shoulder area to heal enough to be able to absorb some impact again. He wore some sort of like brace underneath his jersey, but it wasn't so much a problem with him being able to still do the things he needed to do. It was more about taking hits and being durable as a quarterback. That that was sort of the messaging I felt like we were getting. And yet, he still missed all of that Vikings game and the entire Raiders game afterward in London before coming back after the bye week against the New Orleans Saints. And maybe we should have taken it a little bit more seriously than we did, just given how much that can affect you. And I think I like to think that we, we were always sort of keeping a skeptical eye on it during the season, but it largely felt like a storyline that was cast aside by the time we got to weeks 12, 13, 14, when we started to have those fringe playoff discussions again, we sort of stopped talking about the injury much with Trubisky. And a lot of times we were talking about injuries at other positions, and there were other more pressing things going on. But you wonder just how much that was affecting him because we saw an update just the other day from Spear Training, which is apparently the gym and physical therapy that Mitch Trubisky has been doing his rehab with this offseason. And they put a little Instagram post with the video. And the video is just Trubisky doing certain lifts with some music playing over it. So I don't have any good audio for you specifically. But I do have the, a, a nice description from Spear Training about some of the work Trubisky has done. They wrote on Instagram, quote, Prior to beginning his training, he was recovering from surgery for a partially torn labrum in his non-throwing arm. Since training here at Spear, his shoulder is as strong as it's ever been, and his mobility, range of motion, and strength have been significantly improved. Now, here's where it gets particularly notable for me. Quote, His throwing arm was structurally imbalanced when we first started with him from all the overuse. Heading into his next and final training phase before going back to camp, his throwing arm is structurally balanced, and he's throwing the ball extremely well, feeling good as he ever has. And that's a good point that can get overlooked in this injury process, is some of the overcompensating and the balance in throwing and how it's you're not using your left shoulder to generate any of the force behind your throw. It's in your core and it's in your arms and it's in your waist and and kind of comes up from your feet up to that right arm when you're, of course, right-handed. But that left arm is part of the the follow-through and the balance of shifting that weight properly between your feet and between your upper body so that when you're turning your torso, you're getting that rotational strength behind it. And it's not specifically that Trubisky was lacking in arm strength after the injury, but it does become, when it becomes an off-balance thing and you're trying to convert that power from your feet to your core to your arm versus just trying to arm it, you can imagine we're having that left shoulder tear where he's not able to open up his chest as much in that turn, at least not as comfortably, especially with the brace there, could affect some of what he's trying to do as a quarterback. So I'm willing to put a little bit more credence on the impact of that injury than maybe I was before. But at the same time, I'm not ready to use that as an excuse or the reason why his 2019 season was so bad for a couple reasons. First of all, he really struggled before the injury. First three games of the season, Packers, Broncos, and Washington. Even in Washington, you know, he had some nice touchdowns to Taylor Gabriel, but he wasn't necessarily lighting it up. 
and he, he missed some throws in that game. And you think before that, Denver, first three quarters, really not all that great. Turns it on for that two-minute drive, comeback at the very end, and delivers some perfect throws to set up the game-winning field goal from Eddie Pinero. But for the first three and a half quarters of that game, not so much. And then, of course, week one against the Green Bay Packers was a mess all the way through. So he was having a lot of the issues and a lot of the same issues before the injury early in the season. And on top of that, you get to be later in the season, and you remember the game against Detroit, where he just lit up this Lions defense like he was almost like he was 100% healthy. Like it was uh, sort of that Mitch Trubisky Tampa Bay Buccaneers game from his uh, not his rookie season, but his second season, where he's just lighting it up, and for whatever reason, the defense is always in the worst spot for him to to be able to just attack them in all the ways. I mean, both of his Lions games have, were solid last season for the most part, and that was post-injury. So I, I, I'm not ready to say, well, the injury tanked his whole season because he had a couple of good games after the injury and he had some bad games before the injury. So I think it has an influence. Like I think it's it's not fair to say, no, the injury didn't affect him whatsoever at all. It clearly had to have had some effect on how well Trubisky could throw. And I think that could be some of what limited his overall development. I'm willing to kind of go that far, that maybe he didn't make as much progress as you would have liked to see, in some part because of the injury. But the injury wasn't what was solely leading to some of the really bad performances we have seen from Mitch Trubisky last season. The important thing is that the guys at Spear Training have that back balanced properly, structurally sound, and as healthy as that shoulder can be at this point. So he'll be ready to take on Nick Foles at full strength in this quarterback competition. But who knows how this quarterback competition is going to look during the COVID-19 pandemic with training camp likely to look quite a bit different with NFL teams looking at coming into training camp with a reduced roster. We'll look at some of the guys who could be affected and, and how that'll affect the team and its depth next on Locked On Bears. The Bears have been carrying a full 90-man roster through most of the offseason, but that list might be trimmed down a bit early this season. ESPN's Adam Schefter is reporting that it's likely teams will go to camp with some sort of reduced roster. It's not going to be drastic, but it isn't going to necessarily be the full 90. Schefter said one source believed it'll be an 80-man roster. Another said definitely not 90. A third source said lots of discussions about 75 players potentially instead of 90. But also, as a result, the NFL is also considering expanding its practice squads to somewhere between 16 to 20 players in the event of a coronavirus outbreak so teams could have a deeper stash of players to activate to play on game day. Obviously, that's going to require some negotiation between the NFL and the NFL Players Association, and that'll all be very, I believe, very public when those discussions start formally happening. But Clearly some contingency plans in place that are going to affect every team, including the Chicago Bears. And as I look at this Bears roster and start thinking about trimming it down before we even get any preseason action, I think there's a few obvious positions where the Bears don't need nearly as many players necessarily as they currently have under contract. The obvious discussion remains at the tight end position where... For some reason, nine of their 90 players still at that one spot. 10% of their roster right now is tight ends. And I certainly understand wanting to overhaul that position. But I think between Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, and Demetrius Harris, 
you could trim two or three guys or four guys off of the nine that you currently have under contract. So I would expect that's likely not great news for guys like Eric Saubert or Darian Clark or even, you know, you wonder between Adam Shaheen, J.P. Holtz, and Jesper Horstead if one of them could get a little bit of an early walking paper pink slip type situation this offseason. But I can understand, too, where a lot of those tight ends, they want to bring J.P. Holtz back and see, okay, what can he do now when we have real tight ends ahead of him on the depth chart? And maybe Holtz can be that fullback and stick as your fifth tight end in that regard. And let's see how Jesper Horstead has done after an offseason fully at tight end. He kind of converted from wide receiver coming out of the Ivy Leagues last year. I believe Princeton was where he was a wide receiver, a productive one and now learning the tight end position. So there should be some room to cut a handful of tight ends to get you closer to 75. The Bears have 12 wide receivers under contract right now, half of whom don't stand much of a chance. I mean, you got guys like, it's sort of the no-name group at the bottom. Trevor Davis from the Dolphins is probably somewhat known from his time with the Packers. He's a kick returner as well. But then some other recent undrafted free agents, Alex Wesley, Thomas Ives, Reggie Davis, probably not going to survive that 75-man cut down. They have an undrafted rookie from this year, Ahmad Wagner, that they like coming out of Kentucky, a guy who, again, I believe was a converted tight end going the other direction, just a big six-foot-five body at that position who looks to be a pretty dominant red zone option or at least potential there. But you still have Robinson, Miller, Ginn, Wims, Patterson, Ridley, and the rookie Darnell Mooney at wide receiver. Not a lot of room for anybody else to make this 53, but that's where you circle back to this enhanced practice squad discussion. Because if you can keep 16 to 20 players on that practice squad, all of a sudden, you know, you could almost pick one player at every position, you know, and that would include five offensive linemen and, you know, a full, almost a 22-man lineup. You, you know, you're going to put a third quarterback on that squad, almost guaranteed. You have to have a running back, a couple tight ends, a couple offensive linemen, maybe even three. Give me a tackle, a guard, and a center on that practice squad, a couple of receivers, a couple of defensive linemen, a couple of linebackers, a couple of defensive backs, and, and you could really have a nice little reserve roster going there. And the Bears have, I think, some intriguing practice squad talents when you talk about you know looking at maybe not the, the straight-up rookies, but the guys who've been around a little bit but still have some of that practice squad eligibility. Some of those tight ends like Darian Clark is a guy I would fully expect to be on the expanded practice squad as a college basketball player still learning the tight end position. I think there's definitely some room there. I don't believe Tyler Bray, the quarterback, has any practice squad eligibility left unless they expand the eligibility when they also expand the rosters. That would make a lot of sense to me just in, in sort of, again, being able to be prepared in this sort of exceptional coronavirus world that we're living in. But guys like James Vauders or Isaiah Irving at outside linebacker, maybe Steven Denmark or Duke Shelley at cornerback if they're not quite ready to be a, a every down or to be a, a, an active roster 53-man type situation or maybe DeAndre Houston Carson at safety. I mean, they've got some, they've got some names there. Even Ramiz Ahmed, the kicker, if they wanted to keep a second kicker around in case things start hitting the fan with Eddie Pinero out of nowhere. It seems like the Bears have both some room to trim a few guys that don't stand that much of a chance and also some former undrafted free agent bottom of the roster guys who've been around a little while, still have some of that practice squad eligibility and might benefit from having that extra room to stash some of these developmental prospects the Bears like but just haven't had room to keep on their 53. The one thing we know for sure is that roster construction is not going to be normal 
this season. I don't know if anything is going to be normal this season, but the closest thing to normal will be the Locked On Bears podcast, bringing you that Bears news and analysis you need to get through your week. So make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts to keep up with all of our Bears talk, because we'll still be bringing it to you. We're not going anywhere. Whatever type of football we're going to get, we will talk about it. We will find Bears storylines and everything in between. And more importantly, we're going to find you a reason to bear down.